Welcome to the Wolf Whistle, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome to the Wolf Whistle. Welcome to the 90th edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast which interviews and celebrates the players of our great club. This week, we're going back to the 80s, probably a favourite era of mine. We're interviewing Bob Coy, or it might be Bobby Coy, I'm sure he'll tell us in a minute. 47 appearances for the Wolves between 1979 and 1984. Bob, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Jason. How are you? I'm all right, mate, I'm all right. So, is it? So I want to be polite and uh, address you correctly. Is it Bob or is it Bobby? No, it's, it's Bob. Um, I, I get Robert at home. Because when I'm in trouble, <laughs> <laughs> mate, don't I we all? I get full name as well. Call me Rob or Robert, but um, yeah, everywhere else from when I was like ten or eleven, it's been Bob. Oh, brilliant! So it's Bob. So Bob, what we always do, um, really, find out how it started. Because I know you're, you're local still. You, you you live in Redditch, but you were born in Birmingham. So who did you support growing up, Bob? Well, I was a blue nose for my sins. Oh. Um, we've, we've kind of nearly always been in the shadow of Villa, which is. Uh, a bugbear, and to make things worse, my nephews yeah. brought my son up as a Villa fan. Oh, oh so, no. So he's just bedlam in our house when things like that go on. We don't get many derbies now because Blues are pretty much in trouble at the moment. And, yeah. And um, hopefully Lee Bowie will, will pull us through it, but we, we just need, you need owners with money nowadays, don't you, I'm afraid. You do, and, and, and to be fair, Wolves have been very lucky we've got that. So, did, I mean, you uh, was an apprentice in, in uh, turned apprentice in 1977 at Wolves, actually the year I was born, so I know that's exactly yeah. 44 years ago, Bob, I don't want to remind you, but uh, was yeah. there a chance for you to ever play for, for Birmingham City? Yeah, when I was um, 13 or 14, um, one of the scouts for Wolves was a guy called Tommy Crump, and he was a friend of my dad's, Yeah, and um, my dad said to him, look, I don't want you taking in there, Tom, just because of me, and he went, Dennis. I will not take anybody to Wolverhampton Wanderers that is not suitable for Wolverhampton Wanderers. I have my reputation to think of. And he was a skate who took Alan Evans to Wolves, who yes. I believe was the first £100,000 teenager yep, yep. When, when he moved to Liverpool. So it was quite matter of fact, and he came and watched me, and he said, uh, yes, Dennis, he said, he's, he's got a lot going for him. He said, uh, we'd like to get him down. Um, but at the same time, I was... You know, I was a Blues fan, so um, Birmingham City had come looking for me. Villa had a look at me. Yeah, I went to Man City, Man United. Um, Man United weren't interested. They got rid of me pretty quickly. Right. <laughs> but um, Man City were interested. But I have to be honest, I've got quite an old head on my shoulders. And I'd, I kind of looked at the team that was there at the moment. And, you know, it was John McCall and Frank Munro and yeah. those sort of players. And I thought, as a, as a youngster coming up, you know what, I've got a chance of getting in there quite young. Yes. And um, they'll be coming up for retirement. So, obviously, don't think about the reserve players that's there at, the, at the time, like George Berry and Bob Hazel and Colin yeah. Brazier and those sort of people. Um, so that was um, half of what drew me to Wolves. But I was just treated really well. I was training with the youth team when I was 14. Yeah. Um, and um, I was just included as one of them. And obviously, when um, I signed as a schoolboy, in my last year at school, um, when I was 15, 
I was playing in the Midland Youth League with them in the week and in the Intermediate League on the Saturday. So, you know, I was I was getting a really good upbringing. I was playing with some you know, quality players, really. Yes. You know, at the time, and um, I'm, I, I was tutored by some, like I say, George Berry, Bob Hazel, Colin Brazier. Um, yeah. I mean, know, they were just great lads. I mean, it, what position were you, Bob? Because I know, listen, all the players you've mentioned there. I believe you're a, you're a centre half because all the all the plays you've mentioned there are centre halves. But yeah. uh, a little known fact: you was actually a promising goalkeeper, wasn't you, Bob? Yeah, I was. Um, I went all the way up to um, England schoolboy trials for goalkeeper. Yeah, but um, I was just bored. I did not like playing in goal, and I was fortunate that I played for a very good school team. I was in a very good district team. When I played for West Midlands County, it was a good team. So I played. At the time, Peter Shilton had brought out his own range of goalkeeper's tops and he had a green one. They were almost like a, a, a polo neck shirt. Yeah. But he wore one that was white as well. And I had a white one. And I wore it for nine games running without needing to get it washed. <laughs> so, so he was like, that, that's how little action I was getting playing in goal. But I never really wanted to be a goalkeeper anyway. So um, in a, say for example, when you was playing for the Wolves, if... If they got, say, Budgie, John Burridge had been goal at the time, say if he had got sent off, I take it you'd have been donning the gloves then? I'd have, I'd have had a go. Yeah. I, I did actually have to do it. When I was playing for Chester, Yeah. We, we played Rochdale in what was the, I think it was the Freight Rover Trophy then. Yeah. Um, we played them, and our goalkeeper, John Butcher, had, um, he just got like, clattered at a corner, and uh, he couldn't carry on. And this was like after about 46 minutes, I think just after we'd come out for the second half, so I put the gloves on and kept a clean sheet right up until oh. about five minutes from time. <laughs> and I got done a call, came out, called, keepers! And I was like close to the edge of the box and I gave it a big shout. And the, the lad who had stepped in the plate centre half instead of me had come on and saw him play there, just lobbed it over my head with his head, <laughs> just flicked uh, it on. <laughs> and that was that? Other, I mean, yeah, yeah. But, so... Uh, uh, you, you, but as 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 a as a, as a centre half, like you said, you, you've named some players there: Colin Brazier, George Berry. I mean, it must have been to, to learn off players like that and to be. You know, I didn't even work this out, but obviously you was, you know, uh, at the club at the time of, of, of Frank Munro. I mean, they must have been an absolute joy to watch, and I bet you learned so much from them, Bob. Yeah, I did. But do you know the player I learned the most off was Ian Ross. Okay. And uh, Roscoe came, obviously, as a coach. Yes. And um, we had a spell in the Central League where Roscoe and I were playing together. And, he, you know, he's a small Scottish guy, five foot eight, said to me, right, Bob, he said, I, I'm, I'm no so quick now. So, uh, you know, we'll just play a little bit deeper, which suited me because I wasn't the fastest player on, on the pitch, you know. Yeah. And uh, we just played a bit deeper and kept centre forwards and the, and the attackers in front of us. And um, we played, I think we played about 19 games together. I, I remember this properly. It was 19 games and we kept 17 clean sheets and conceded one goal in the other two. Right. And uh, it was just because he was a talker like me. Yes. And he was like, go on, Bob, go and win it. And I knew that by him shouting that, <coughs> he's in position that if I can go full belt and go and get the header, even if I miss it, Roscoe's behind me. And I did exactly the same thing. It was on his side. I just shaded, go on, Roscoe. And it was just communication. He knew instantly that he could go up, do his best to win the ball, go full power, and, and not worry about what was happening behind him. Now, and, um, no, sorry, carry on, Bob. 
and and that's that's half the art of, the, of for me of playing football. You, you you've got to talk to each other. Give people information that you're playing with. It makes the game so much easier. Yeah, yeah. Oh, listen, it certainly does. And you've mentioned some players there, and they were talkers, and they were commanding centre halves. And yeah. you know, you, you, obviously, you, you know, you learn from some of the very best. And so you turn pro on your 18th birthday, I believe, 1979. Two years later, you get to make your debut. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, that was an exciting period for the club. We got the new stand being built. We'd won the yeah. league cup. I mean, was it good times to be in and around the, you know, because it was a top-flight club at the time. Was it, you know, a, a, a good place to be around? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we had the likes of Emily Hughes coming. Yeah. You know, Emily Hughes coming to the club, and I'm look, looking at the England captain who's, you know, won everything with Liverpool apart from the League Cup, which he yeah. won with us. Um, but it was, it was exciting times. And, you know, I, I think players nowadays... I envy the money they earn, I can't lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I envy the money they earn, but I don't envy the style of football they play. I yeah. don't envy um, the scrutiny they're under all the time. Oh. Um, you know, I mean, I, I just wouldn't be on social media. You know, there's people on there and they, they say, oh, he's got stick, he's got racist comments and that sort of thing. I just wouldn't be on there. I, to, I, I couldn't. I couldn't put up with it. To be honest, Bob, sometimes I wished I wasn't on there. It, you know, yeah, <laughs> it, it is a good tool, but you're quite right. These play. I mean, back in your day, listen, you could go out, you could have a few beers. You, there wouldn't be anyone over you, you know, over your shoulder with a camera phone, and it's completely different now. Yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, I didn't drink, Jason, until I was I was twenty. I didn't think it was right that, as an athlete. I I drank alcohol. I okay. It wasn't good for your performance, but flipping it off the team, the off the team you was in, did them, you know? But um, it just didn't suit me, and I was I was driving in from Birmingham every day. Yes, so um, it was like I desperately needed my car. I, I did two years as an apprentice, getting the bus into Birmingham, and then getting the train over to the station, and then walking down from the station to Molyneux. Yeah, and. I didn't like that very much, so there was no way I was going to risk losing my license by having a drink. And, of course, and maybe getting stopped on the way home. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't drink. But in those days, you know, the, the lads would get smashed and they'd, they'd come in on Monday and they'd still be smelling the booze and, and that sort of thing. But nobody thought anything of it. Yeah. If somebody performed on the pitch, then do you know what? Do what you like. And, and you know we didn't have to worry about the diet. You know they didn't like you didn't like you bringing the club into disrepute. You know yes. there was there was one lad I won't name him, but he got enough punch up in one of the clubs and like the club like suspended him like for three weeks. He, he didn't get to play. You know and 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 that hurt him more than anything. Yes, yeah. Um, but it was a different. I think it was a different thing then. You you weren't such a value to the club. Whereas today. You know, if the likes of players I played with, those players I'm talking about, you know, they'd be worth millions today, wouldn't oh, they? Th and so they're actually now an asset to the club rather than a hindrance or an embarrassment. <coughs> well, I think, so yeah. So even if they'd gone out and got smashed and got drunk and were picked up out of the gutter, the club's going to, you know, they'll, they'll say we we'll find him two weeks for bringing the club into it. But they wouldn't discipline him any other way because he's vitally important to the club and, and, and he's a financial asset. I mean, if you don't mind me asking, Bob, I wouldn't ask this player to a player who's played in the last 10 years because I'd take absolutely zero satisfaction from it. But, you know, you say, you, you, you know, it'd be nice to earn the wages of today. But, but as, a, as a first division footballer, what wages were you earning then, Bob? Right, well, when I, 
when I first got in the team, yeah. I was on £165 a week. Yeah. Which was probably still a little bit above the average man in the street. Yes, yes. Wage. Um, my first contract after I played in the first team, I got £225 a week. But my, my top annual salary while I was at, at Molyneux was the year we got promoted from the second division. Yeah, 82, 83. Back in, yeah, back into the into the first, obviously. Um, I was in the team for half the season or as a sub for the other games. So I was, it was in, like I think it was about 27 games I was involved in the first team. Yeah. And our win bonus was £120 for a win. Yeah. £60 for a draw. Yeah. And it was also... I was on £60 appearance money, so that was being in the first 12. Um, and if we were in the top three, we got another £60. If we were in the fourth to sixth position, we got £30. Yeah. And over that season, like I say, I was involved in 27 games of a promotion winning year, and my top, my salary was £16,500. Now, you know, you, you, you look at that, Bob, and... Some games there, you, you, you're thinking, flipping it, you know, you could come off the pitch and it could be like a four or five hundred quid week, couldn't it? And, yes, and, absolutely. and you know, that was yeah. a lot more than the average man um, yeah, absolutely. in the street. But listen, I'm sure, like many players from your era, you know, you'd have done it for absolutely nothing. Now, you made your debut in the 81 82 season, it was September the 12th at Molyneux, 1981. We lost 1 0. Yeah. That was a very difficult season. But the point I'm making is, uh, Bob, you know, what's it like to to grow up loving football, supporting the Blues? Yes, this isn't your hometown club, but you're making your debut in the first division, the top yeah. echelon of English football. I mean, yeah. you know what? That's a big deal, isn't it, Bob? Oh, absolutely. It was, you know, from the, the moment I, I can remember, some, and my dad would tell the story, like, I, I wish he was there to see my debut, but he, he didn't quite make it. But um, it was, um, he just told the story of like, oh, didn't give him cars or anything, you just gave him a ball. Yeah. And people have said, what do you want to be when you go up, Sonny? And I'd just say, a footballer. I didn't realise what it meant. I didn't realise, you know, you got paid to play football or that sort of thing. Yeah. But all the time I was growing up, I just wanted to be a footballer. And, and that day, walking out at Molyneux, last but one, because that was always my position, apart from when I was captain in the reserves. Yeah. Always came out last but one. You, you get superstitions along the way, Jason, you know? Yes. And and that was mine. Um, so, um, but, you know, I, I played against, on that date, it was Mark Falco, and I think it was Garth Crooks, and Steve Perryman, and um, those sort of players, yeah. you know, at that time. And after the game, the, the, the Tottenham lads obviously knew it was my debut, and Steve Perryman came up to me, and, he, and, and I'll never forget this. He went... Well done, Bobby. Said had a cracking game, son. Oh. Don't let don't let anybody put you off. And, and it was just uh, that for me, like because like kind of I'd like Steve Perry. I mean, you know, he was like he was a top bloke. He was a top player at Tottenham. Very unlucky, I think, not to get more England caps. Um, but he was kind of small and he wasn't big, and I yes. wasn't exactly big in of stature and that sort of thing. And I, I kind of look, looked up to Steve Perryman a wee bit. And yeah. um, for him to come up and say that to me, like sort me out, you know, came up, he, like, he actually ran up to me, and and that, you know, he, he could have been because he was down that end, he could have been off into the tunnel quite quickly at that end of, with it being down at their end of the pitch. But now he made his way to me, and then just to say that to me, and I, I thought that was brilliant. I never forgot that. And and for you, Bob, you you literally must feel ten feet tall because yes, these are players who you grew up watching 
on TV, revering them, then the next minute you're sharing a picture with them. Yeah, yeah, and of course, like, you know, there's the likes of Ozzy Ardealis and Ricky Villa there as well, and... Flipping heck. You know, they're, they're people that you, you've watched on the telly, and you you always dream about it, you know? It's it's like, you dream about playing for... You dream about playing for England first. Yes. You dream about playing for your country, and then, obviously, when you're lucky enough to get into football... It's then right. I've got to get in the reserves. Right now, I've got to get in the first team. And and once you're in, you don't want to let it go. But all the time you're there and you you're watching the others go, and you go and you're sitting in the stand watching the first team play, and you're going, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. I could do that better. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And uh, don't let anybody tell you that when you're in the reserves, you're hoping the person in your position gets injured. <laughs> I mean, uh, you see, in your day, Bob, <clears throat> that's the difference. Now. There's obviously, you know, 11 outfield players, well, 10 outfield players, the goalkeeper. Then you've got benches of, what is it, seven now? I, I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. even keep up with it. But back in your day, it was literally one sub. And it didn't yeah. go to, to two subs in the, the mid to late 80s. So That's to right, get anywhere yeah. near the first team, then you had, you had to be good. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I say to people now, like I'm talking to one of the lads at work. He's a young dad. He's 21, 22. And when we get a chance to talk, it's like, you're saying to them, like, oh, who was the best player you played with? Who was the best player you played against? What was it What was it like? And I'm telling him, like, I'm trying to give him all the good sides. There's some crappy sides to it as well, Jason, you know? Yes. Like, you'd have a bad game on a Saturday, and if you hadn't got a midweek game, you'd be running up the South Bank. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you're, you're sprinting up to the top, and then you're... you're jogging down I mean you're sprinting up to the top and you're jogging down they're, they're running into the ground you see Where, you Bob, know and it was like it was, it was a punishment it was a proper I mean, punishment Bob that wouldn't happen now you know if Wolves lose 1-0 Saturday Adama Traore is not going to run up and down the, the you know the, the, the Stan no, Cullis or no. the Steve Ball or what you know they're just not going to do it for risk of injury but no, it was no. such a different I'm, time I'm not, then I'm not sure it's better Jason I've, I've got to be honest I think I think we played it for me a better time when Football was, as my dad would say, a man's game. Yes. You know, you got stuck in. You, you know, I remember when Ian Greaves came to the club and um, we were playing the Tottenham first game and he took me down as, I was taken down as 13th man. So I carried the skips in, got the kit out, got the boots out for the lads and all that. And watched the game and Joe Gallagher uh, broke his arm yeah. during the game. And so on the Tuesday, we're, um, we're playing against Forest and had a good game. So I got in uh, the following following game but on the way down he sat there and he, and he was he was talking to me and we had a big chat and blah 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 and then the in the game like he, he wasn't happy with the performance and he had people hadn't done what he asked him to do so we knew there was a place up for grabs anyway but I played in the reserves against Forrest with Colin Brage and I just assumed Colin having already played probably 20-30 games was going to get the nod Yeah, but I had a decent game and um, on the Friday I'm looking at, on the in the uh, reserve changing room. I was looking at the way change room as it was, but that's where we changed. And I'm looking at the team, and I'm like, oh, bloody hell, I'm 13th man again. You know, I'm not on the team sheet for the reserve game, whatever that was. So I'm thinking I'm like going to sit there like, and clean the boots again and get the lads anything they want, make the tea for them and that sort of thing. And we went out training, and it was like, OK, so Bob, I need you here. And we were doing set pieces. <laughs> it was like, well, right. Okay, I looks I might be in the first team. <laughs> so, Brilliant. Um, and he came to me, and before the game, it was like about 15 minutes before the match, you didn't go out on the pitch then and warm up, and uh, so you did that one thing change. And he came and sat down with me, and he, 
put his arm around and he went, do you know, Bob, he said, I've just been told this is only going to be your second game. I said, yeah, boss, that's right. He went, I'll tell you what Wilf McGuinness said to me when I made my debut. He said, I know it's not your debut, but it's going to feel like it. And it was against Man United. And he said, uh, he said, Wilf McGuinness said to me, Bob, he said, uh, Ian, they've got two arms, two legs and a head. Yeah. Go out and play football, son. Yeah. He said, and that's what I'm saying to you. Just go out and play football. And, and I went, I, do you know, I went out feeling 10 foot tall. Yeah. Yeah. There was no pressure on me. You just said, just go out and, and do what I've seen you do. And um, and I played every game for Greasy, obviously, in that season. And um, I personally, I know it was a feud between him and Derek Dugan as the reason why he didn't stay yeah. on when the consortium took over. Um, but that was a sad day for me because I I think I'd have been in the team a lot longer with Greasy but, than I actually did. So what was interesting was it was obviously John Barmer that gave you your debut in the September yeah. 81 you quite rightly got back into the team February the 13th against Man United. Um, I, did, I mean, that's, didn't recall the date, but 13th was always a lucky day for our family, so that, that wouldn't have troubled me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, February the 13th, Man U at home. And then you, you, you literally was a fixture in the team then for over 20 games playing it. You know, Man U at home. I think it was Forest at home, Villa away, Leeds yeah. at home, Arsenal at Molyneux, Man City at home. You played against Blues, who were your team, West yeah. Brom, West Ham, Everton. I mean... You must have been pinching yourself, Bob. You're 19, 20 years of age. You're yeah. playing in the first division. You know, you must have been... You know. Interestingly, then, the Blues one, what was it like? Was it was that home all the way, and what was it like to play against them? While he was at home, uh, centre-forward was Mick Harford. Yeah. Pro- probably the hardest bloke I've ever played against. Yeah, There's big Mick. players. Yeah. But as far as, as being hard, yeah. Him and Cyril Regis were probably the two that um as, like... You knew you'd been in a game. Yes. Um, but for me, the one game I wanted to win more than anything was against Blues. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, I, yeah, absolutely. I always gave 100%, um, as I hope people that watch me know. Yes. Um, I never gave anything less. My dad would, would have kicked me ass if he'd, he'd seen me giving less than 100%, <laughs> or thought I'd given less than 100%. Yes. Um, and <clears throat> he always said to us, like, you've got to earn the right to play some. Yeah, you know it's you, you've got to put everything in. You've got to outwork. You've got to outfight. You've got to outjump, and then you can outplay people. But until you do that, you'll get turned over. But Blues, yeah, they're my, they're my team. It's like it's like when somebody <clears throat> I hear them say now about players and players not celebrating in the school. I was going to ask this. Gone back to their old club. Yeah, do you know what? That's rubbish for me. You gave your best while you were with that club. That club chose to let you go or sell you yeah. for whatever reason. You owe them nothing then. Yeah. This is your job. You're a professional footballer. And you can show respect with the things you say in an interview afterwards about scoring against the club you previously played for. But when you're playing, actually, for me, I've never scored many goals. Yeah, but if you'd have scored <laughs> so that day really against Blues, like that, Bob... If you'd have scored that day against Blues, I take it you'd have uh, you'd have celebrated in style. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd have been in front of the Blues fans giving it everything. I'd, I'd, have, been, <laughs> I'd have been inside you riot, I think. But um, yeah, I would have been. I Brilliant. Would have, I would have celebrated bigger than anybody else because that that's who I wanted to be. I played against when we played against Man City. I played against my hero Trevor Francis. Yes. And yeah, Trevor, of course. God, he heck, yeah. The Blues first team at sixteen and, and, and yeah. being a superstar at sixteen. And I played against Trevor, obviously, and like he was always going to be quicker than me. But he was coming back from an injury, 
And Ian Greaves said to me, he went, you know he's been injured, Bob, don't you? I mean, yes, boss. He said, you know which leg it was? I said, yeah, right leg. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, first tackle, whacked him. And then, um, like, second tackle, gave him another one. And the referee came over then, he went, look, Bob, he said, I know what you're doing. He said, we know what the game is. Don't do it again, because I'm going to have to book you. So yeah. I like, okay. And I said to John Pender, who was playing next to me, I said, John, I said, your turn, mate. And, uh, yeah, I've shame for John at the moment. Obviously, he's, he's suffering the most uh, new uh, uh, I read uh, yesterday. Uh, terrible. I was going to mention that, Bob. Um, I was going to mention some of the plays you played with. John Pender was one at the back, obviously. Yeah. John Burridge, yeah. Jeff Palmer. Listen, John Pender, um, he, he has been diagnosed with motor neuron disease. For any of the listeners... If you're on Twitter, um, please, please, please uh, consider donating to to John's fund because that 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 man needs all the help he can yeah. get. Once yeah, a wolf, always a wolf. I mean, what was John like to play with? Because he was a he was a big old tough boy, wasn't he, John Pender? Yeah, yeah. He would never class himself as a footballer in, yeah. in the purest sense of the terms. Um, we didn't like him like him taking free kicks because he he didn't strike a very good ball. Yeah. But I tell you what, if you were in the trenches, you wanted a John Pender with you. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I played with him like I was. I, I remember our back four at that time: um, Mick Hollyfield, yeah. John Humphrey, yeah. me, John Pender. Average age of our back four was nineteen. Wow. You know, and and we held our own. Oh yeah. In that you know, and um, it was John Pender. You let you let John go and try and win the ball. Yeah. You know, he's scared of nothing. He put his head in anywhere. Like like that whole of that back forward. To be fair. Um, you'd stick your head in there where other people had feared to stick the boot in, and, and yeah. you know we we just backed each other up. You know constantly. what I always say about about players like John Pender: if there's a ball going into the back of the net, that that player like John would put his head between the boot and the ball, wouldn't he? Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, but it was the way you know. It's, it's also the way we were brought up. You know, it was like and and don't let him see you hurt and yes. that sort of thing and. I find it difficult watching... I still watch football, Jason, but I find it difficult watching football nowadays. I watch them rolling about the floor trying to get the, trying to get someone booked. And yeah. I think of the players I played against. I played against Frank Worthington down at Southampton, and then the same thing applied. I clattered him. Yeah. And uh, first couple of tackles, gave him one, and then he came across and he took me out, and uh, he picked me up, and he, he put his hand on, his, on my shoulder as we were walking away, and he went... We're going to play football, Bob. Are we going to play football <laughs> with each other? You see, in today's know. game, Bob, in today's game, you'd have you'd have had a book in each. Then you're you're on a tightrope for a red card. And yeah. for me, listen, I've I, I think they've done um done a serve uh, like a, some research recently. They watched one of the Leeds games in the seventies, and they said in today there'd have been like fifteen bookings and eight red cards. And you think, oh, no. you think, I'm, come my, on, my you know my dad absolutely hated Leeds. Um, he hated it with a passion. You didn't see so much football then. It was. You know, match of the day covered one, maybe two games. Yeah. Star soccer on a Sunday, you had one game. Yeah. You didn't get cameras at every game, so you didn't see the goals of that. But every time my dad saw... Because Leeds were a flipping good team back yeah. then. And, you know, they, so they were on the telly. Of all the games that were on the telly, they were on more than anybody. And, of course, they were in Europe, so those games kind of got shown sometimes. But I remember the game at um, Old Trafford in the FA Cup final replay when they were playing Chelsea. Yes. I've never seen my dad jump so high when Dave Webb scored that goal from a long throw. Yeah, yeah, remember it? <laughs> it was like, oh my God. It was like, I, I, I kind of, that was like, I think it was 
70, 71, yeah. maybe, around that time. I kind of think that's when I really got the passion and the feel of what football meant for people. Yeah, and got got the um, got the buzz for football. And Yeah, it, yeah. Interestingly, Bob, um, like I said, back to my point, John Barnwell gave you debut. It was Ian Greaves that gave you a sustained run in the side. It didn't quite yeah. work out for Ian. He got, well, relieved of his duties, I like to say, at the end of the season because it yeah. did end in relegation. Uh, Graham Hawkins then was the surprise choice. Um, he was number two to Graham Turner at Shrewsbury. Uh, yeah. Graham, uh, sorry, Derek Dugan obviously fancied him. It worked. So, really, what was your relationship like with, with John Barnwell? Um, I take it Ian Greaves was the you, you, you know your favourite manager of them all. Yeah. And yeah. how did you start off under Graham Hawkins? Um, well, I started off in the team. Yeah. We we did we well, we did really well. We were in the top yes. two or three. Yes. You know, for the first, um, I think that was I think we went ten games. Um, Undefeated at oh, the start of the season. Great think, start to that we, season. I think like nine out of ten were clean sheets. I, yeah. I think um, it was a good. It was a good um, start anyway. Yeah. Um, and I fell out of favour when um, I made a couple of mistakes. Yes. One of them was listening to Joe Gallagher like to leave a ball. Yeah. <laughs> I was there ready to go and win the header, and it was it was against Fulham, and um, we got beaten three one at Oldham the week before away. Um, didn't have a great game, I have to be honest. And yeah, then, it happens. Um, I, I, was, I think I played all right against against Fulham, but Joe Gallagher called. I ducked, and it looked like I was I was bottling it. Um, oh. I can see that now. Yeah. Um, but you know, we got in there, and, and Graham was giving me an, an absolute roasting. And Joe went, and I went, "What are you having called for it?" And Joe went, "Boss, I called for it. It's not Bob's fault. I called him. He left it." It's my fault. I didn't get it, and uh, so to be fair, fair play to Joe, he stood up and like yeah. held his hand up and went, no, went down to Bob. That was me, um, but I didn't get in after that. Um, so I was subbed for quite a few games, um, and then obviously he wanted to, he wanted other players in. in as, as, as you said, there was only one sub, um, but in the following season I got in, um, played about seven games, but then I got a pelvic injury. And I, I couldn't shake it, um, so I didn't get back in after that, um, and that was obviously when I ended up going off to Chester. I mean, it was forty-seven games uh, for the Wolves, Bob, and yeah. it, it was quite—it was quite a bit of a roller coaster because your first season, top flight, ended in relegation. Your second season ended in promotion, and then you got back into the top flight, and that season ended in relegation, and that was the start, really, of a decline for Wolves. Three successive. Yes, it was relegations but you alluded to a point earlier because I've interviewed Doug Hope who was vice chairman of the club at the time what was it like off the pitch because you you really it was the start of the decline then so you'd been at the club like I said in and around the 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 league cup final squad and then a few years later it all changed off the pitch um what was it like because uh, you know it was quite a bit of a soulless place yeah it was um I'd say yeah. With the problems that's going on and with, with yeah. what's happened and that, it's like it, it, the whole scheme of things, it means nothing. Yes. But at the time, it's really, really important, isn't it? And, it, yeah. and for all the fans and, and everybody that's got an, an allegiance to Wolves, it's the end of the world. Yeah. And and it felt like that, you know, as, as players, like, um, you just, you, you literally don't know what to do because you're doing your best. Yeah. Um, 
But even in those days, you needed to bring players in. You needed to bring players in that, that changed the squad, that made it better. Yeah. Um, we needed to develop players. And while there were players coming through, I don't think they ever really got... So people like Dale Rudge. Yes. You know, and, and uh, Ian Cartwright and um, uh, Paul Butler and those sort of players. Dave Wintersgill. Kind of like it was a tough time for them because a lot of the senior players were, were kind of being moved out. Yeah, because of the wages. Um, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I remember at the time, Andy, Andy Gray was only on, I say only... He was only on £750 a week, but he was the most expensive player in Britain when Wolf signed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in relative terms, his, his salary should have been about, compared to today, probably about £10,000 a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but he was on £750 a week, you know, like three times the, the average man in the streets wage. So, um, you know, you, you've lost players like that, and you can't replace the likes of Andy Gray and Kenny Ibbits no. and Willie Cars. And I know they were, you know... Kenny and Andy were, um, Kenny and Willie were coming to the end of their career sort of thing but they weren't, they weren't dead players but they were, they were shipped out and we didn't replace them well, really. we, we didn't a good a good point at the top a good point you've made as well that Wolves were giving the youth a chance which you know ordinarily these players might not have got a got, you know got that chance yeah. but it was I tend to think and, and I've said this to a few players I've interviewed from that era after the relegation in 81-82, I think almost it was... Yes, we got promoted 82-83. Um, it was deserved, but I think really it was just a step too far because yeah. after that 83-84 relegation, the club literally went into free fall. And yeah. I believe you went out on loan to Chester, who... I did. This is interesting. Wolves were in the first division... Obviously, you've been playing. You then went out on loan to Chester, who I believe, I might be wrong, were bottom of the fourth division at the time, and you actually went yeah, there with were. David Wintersgill. Yeah. Yeah? I yeah, mean, we did. I used to pick Dave up in Wolverhampton and um, take him up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so for you, Bob, you're playing in the first division, like I said, against Man U, Arsenal, Leeds, Blues, Villa, etc. Next thing you know, you're shipped out on loan, um, was it panic stations? Did you want to play football? You know, what, what was the feeling yeah, of you was, at the time? I'd had, I'd had the discussion with um, Graham, and it was like, I said, look, I said, you're not playing me. I'm not getting a look in the squad. I said, you, you obviously don't want me, Graham. I said, is that the situation? He went, yeah, yeah. I said, uh, well, I said, well, can you put the feeder and get me out on loan somewhere? Because yeah. obviously we hadn't got agents then. Um, that was that was years later, but um, so he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Then so um, so put me out as, um, as as that sort of thing, like so. Um, I got a phone call off John McGrath, um, and I went into the office and I spoke to them in there because he, he phoned in, and um, I thought John McGrath, oh, hard man from Southampton. Yeah, that's how I remember John McGrath. I thought, yeah, yeah this would be good. I could learn something off John. And I and I went <laughs> I went to Chester and yes we had to be re-elected <laughs> we still had to be re-elected even with me there Jason we had to be re-elected oh. but um, it was like in training he's he's the most timid person I've ever seen really he would jump out of the way of, of tackles I don't, I don't know he's obviously getting older he's like he's not a young yeah. man anymore but I was expecting so much more from John he's a great bloke but 
on the football pitch, I'm telling you, the five aside, he disappointed me. <laughs> because, do you know what, Steve Daly, in his very famous after-dinner speeches, you know, there's a whole ten minutes on how he made his debut against Southampton and John McGrath kicked him into the stand twice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was it, it was completely different when, when you was playing underneath him. Yeah, but as a manager, he wanted you to do that. Yes. You know, he never ever said, oh, I used to do this or we used to do that. And I admire that in, in yeah. managers. It must be so difficult not to go, yeah, when I was playing, we yes. used to do this. So I, I admired him for that, but he was, he was a bit of a fairy after to be honest. <laughs> but, I, hey, look, he, al- he always said that he didn't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, do you know, we, it was a very small squad. We got 15 players at Chester. That was all we had in the squad. And now I believe you also, um, see, Bob, you're a man of many talents. Obviously, you, you was a defender at the Wolves. Uh, you was a promising goalkeeper in the England schoolboys uh, in yeah. your, your trial game there growing up. And you also played several games as centre-forward, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean, you sound disappointed, Bob. Surely you scored a few goals. Oh yeah, I was, I was a goal scorer. Oh, that's yeah, all right. Yeah, then. yeah. But um, my dad was a centre forward. He he um, not long I say not long after the war, but um, my dad lied about his age to get in the war. He lied about his age to get in the navy and oh, oh, the navy at fifteen. And um, I never talked about it. Hated anybody asking him about it. But. Um, um, but he was a centre forward, and, and afterwards he had trials with Coventry. Right. And Coventry wanted to sign him. He, he scored six goals in a in a friendly sort of thing, and they wanted to sign him, but they wanted to pay him less than he was earning at work. Right. And in those days, there wasn't the glory in football and that. And, yes. Um, so he was earning eight pounds a, a week at um, working for Lucas at, in, the, in the car factory, yeah. making starters and alternators. And Coventry wanted to pay him six pounds a week, and it was four pounds a week in the close season. Oh, so there was no way he was halving his money. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So the money certainly wasn't there. You were in it for the love of it, then, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh. um, yeah. But, <clears throat> I, I didn't ever want to be kicked like I was kicking people. So right. I, was, I was quite happy not playing as a centre forward. <laughs> yeah, because, that's right. Because when you are a centre forward, you do get battered and bruised, and it's normally by oh. a big. A big burly centre half. Now uh, at Chester, uh, Lee Dixon, who went on to play for Arsenal yeah. England, you were, I believe, you partnered him in defence. Yeah, we did. We, do you know what? We got a cracking uh, back four. Then we had Pete Zellum, who came to Wolves, obviously. Yes, Pete Zellum, of course. Um, yeah. We had Pete Zellum, Andy Holden. Yeah. Who went on to play for Oldham and Wales. Yes, yes, yes. Um, obviously, Lee Dixon, he'd, he'd come from um, Man City. Having not not managed to break into the first team there, came to us. Then he went to Stoke, and then he went to Arsenal, and the rest is history. Um, we had another lad called Martin Lane at left back, and um, we had a guy coming um, called Harry McNally as manager. He came from Wigan, yeah, um, and he he just he played me as a sweeper, out and out sweeper, and we had two centre halves who would just go and win the ball, and I'd pick all the bits off them. Lee Dixon was spent more time attacking than he did defending. Yeah. Um, but and him and Martin Lane were just great. And if they played with a winger, then they they stayed back. You know, so we played sweeper, two centre halves, and a fullback. And that that move was made permanent um, after you you went on loan with David Winters, girl. Um Yeah. Was was it was it for you, Bob? Disappointing to leave Wolves when you, you know you 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 played. 
somewhere in the region. Well, most of your games were actually in the top flight for Wolves. Yeah. Um, was it almost a bit of a decadence, you know, to, because then it was uh, Northampton, Altrincham, Aylesbury, you know, went into non-league and then you, you, you obviously stopped local at Moor Green and Boldmere, so back to your roots almost. Yeah. Um, but but was it almost like that, that yeah, your, your best days were behind you? And I don't like to say that with any disrespect, but once you've gone from the first to the fourth, could you actually yeah. see a way of getting back? Yeah, I, <clears throat> the one thing about being... A footballer is you have to have absolute confidence in yourself. Yes. And um, although I never was, I always told myself in the change room, rewarding up, you're the best player in the park. Yes. And and that was how the attitude I had to it. And I know I wasn't, because uh, obviously I, I didn't have the career I, I'd hoped for. Yes. But um, that's the attitude you have to go out with. You have to have that belief in yourself. Any sportsman, any you know professional sportsman, has to have that confidence, yeah. And and if that starts waning, then you, you are finished. And yeah. I was fortunate, you know, I, I got a promotion with Chester. Yeah. Um, I then went and played for Graham Carr at Northampton. Yes. Um, who was a taskmaster who I didn't really get on with while I was there, but we we had a reunion um, not so long back. There was a thirty-year reunion of us getting promoted and from the fourth division and. And what have you? And there was the likes of Trevor Morley who went on to play for Man City and West Ham. Richard Hill who went for eight hundred thousand pounds to um, to Watford with Graham Taylor. Yeah. Um, there were some cracking players in that side. Phil Chard who came to Wolves. Yeah, Phil Chard. Yeah, yeah. from Northampton. Yeah, that's and, right. Um, yeah. There were some cracking players in that team. We went up with ninety-seven points, and um, so. You know, I was I was really lucky in in my second year when I fallen out of favour with Graham. Um, I went to Aylesbury and I got promoted with Aylesbury. I played against the England team while I was at Aylesbury. Actually, um, I remember that. They that went would up have been to the ACA European Championship. Yes, because wasn't it seven or eight nil to England? Yeah, seven nil. I, I remember that. Yes, yeah. there was Lineker yeah. and Barnes were playing, I believe, and Beardsley. Yeah, yeah. I was, I knew most of the lads from having played against them, both through the reserves and and obviously in the first team. Of course. So I knew most of the England team, and um, like it was like Peter Beardsley. I played against him a couple of times in the reserves. Yeah. Um, and um, I said to Peter, like when we we lined up for the photo, I went, Peter, I said, can I have your shirt? Afterwards, mate, I said, well, have you got to keep it? He went, no, no, these are old, Bobby. He said, they're from Mexico. He said, yeah, you can have this. Flipping it. So I had that. But someone got injured, and Pete Beasley came back on. And uh, I said to him, like, hey, Pete, I said, I couldn't have this shirt as well, could I? I'm surprised he wasn't asking you for your shirt, Bob. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to give it to him. He said, yeah, I, I, I can have your shirt. I just can't swap it. Yeah, yeah. But we got promoted at Aylesbury. We'd gone up to the conference that year as well. So, yeah, of um, course. Yeah, so I, I was lucky. That the only team I didn't get a promotion with, um, or win anything with, uh, or get promoted with, rather, was Moore Green. Um, but I, I was fortunate there, you know. I, I, we were in the running to get promoted from the, the, the Beezer Premier League into the conference, but we fell away at the end of the season. But I played with the likes of Ian Taylor there and Dave Buist. Oh, yeah, of course, Ian Taylor was at Villa, Buist at Coventry. Yeah, and um, David, unfortunately, had that terrible injury he at did, um, he did. Old Trafford. Um, but he was, a, he, was a, he was a good lad, David. He'd gone a long way, but he, again, he'd never claimed to be the greatest footballer, but you know, I, I think I helped him a little bit by talking to him and, and trying to educate him the way the likes of Bob Hazel and George Berry had taught yes. me under the wing. And, 
and, and told me the things that they did and, and you know and it, it rubs off and you pick something up from everybody you play play with whether it's good or bad you know you go oh I ain't gonna do that cause that's rubbish you know but um I like to think I've passed on a little bit of the knowledge I was oh. given by the likes of Ian Ross and, but, and those sort of people I'm sure so. you have Bob and you mentioned a player earlier he's a very good friend of mine um and he was a very classy, calm, collected, composed player, Colin Brazier. I mean, what was yeah. you know? I, I suppose most of your games were in the reserves, almost with Colin. But what was like Colin? What was Colin like to play with? Ah, uh, Colin was great. He he was a, he was a fellow Brummie. He's I, a I blue nose like you, isn't he? I yeah, remember yeah, now. He was, yeah, and he went to play for Blues, didn't he? Yes, he did, and scored at the <laughs> Tilton Road end. And he said, "Sorry to interrupt, Bob," but he said when he scored at the Tilton Road end, he said he actually looked for himself in the crowd as a young boy, which I thought was an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good lad, Colin. Um, he was. Um, I played with his brother. His brother came to my Sunday team. Um, okay. You know, we were fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. And Colin came along. And Colin knew I was on the schoolboys uh, books and what have you. And I'd, I'd just started playing in the youth team and that. And Colin used to come and watch the youth games. I did George Berry and Bob Hazel when yeah. they were there. Always came and watched the youth team play at Castlecroft. Always. Um, Providing they hadn't got a game or they weren't, you know, away anywhere. Yes. Always there. Um, they were just they were just an inspiration. And, and I aspired to be Colin, Bob and George. You know, they were everything I wanted to be. They were great lads. They were, you know, George wasn't, but the other two were Brummies. But George was an adopted Brummie because he lived in Birmingham with yes. Bob and, and that sort of thing, you know. And we just, we just formed a partnership and we got on. And But Colin, like... I, they were just great. They'd, they'd wait for me after games midweek um, because you'd have to do the jobs after the games. And yeah, they'd wait yeah. and they'd take me home. You know, and it was like, because I wouldn't have been able to get home. I'd have had to got a train. And like, I remember one time, like, we were, um, George was in the first team. We were playing North County away in the Midland Intermediate League on a Saturday. And George said, oh, where's the lads tomorrow? And I went, oh, I said, we're in North County. George said, um, I'm, I'm going to... Physio said I can keep in here. It was Dennis Conyard at the time. I think I said, he said I can keep in here. Dennis Conyard. Um, he went. What do you mean keeping a keeping here? I went. Well, I can't get in, George. I can't get a train early enough on a Saturday. Went, yeah. I'll pick you up. I said no, no. I said you're playing the Thursday. He said you were not sleeping in here. He said I'll pick you up. He said I'm only down the road in Ryland Street. He said I'll pick you up and take you in. Yeah. And then George brought me in. So we're in we're in Molyneux at like half past seven. And. And George goes to the physio's room, and he had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, that's the sort of bloke. So uh, Bob was exactly the same. He did it a couple of times for me. He brought yeah. me in, like, got up and, and brought me in. And, you know, when they should have been in bed resting, really, before a, a big first-team game. Oh, that's the sort of blokes they were. And and, and I, I just tried to be a good person because of people like that. And, uh, and you, they were just fantastic to me. And you mentioned the physio, Dennis Conyard. We've had Dennis on the podcast, and he's got a great story where, you know, he um, he, he basically got the job from, from hearing a radio advert and applying to it. Yeah. And next thing you know, he's the yeah. physio at the Wolves. Well, the previous physio, of course, was Kevin Walters. Yes, Julie Walters, who, the actress's yeah, brother. Yeah, Julie Walters' brother. And yeah. he was super fit. Idiots that first came to the club would, would challenge Kev to... Um, some workouts, you know, and, and nobody could beat Kev. He could bench press more than anybody. He could pull up more than anybody. He, he was just super fit. Yeah. He, he was, but there was lots of characters about then. I'm, I'm not sure you get them now. 
Jason, you know. Uh, if they are, we don't get to see them. Oh, listen, you don't, because everyone's got to have a clean-cut image, but back then, you could you could really be yourself, and like you said, a yeah. lot of characters, and what a, what a great era to have played in, and since since you've retired from football, Bob, what, what jobs have you done? Have you come away from football? You know, where yeah, did your life I, take I, you? I never wanted to stay in football, Jason, yeah. um, to be honest. I, I, I kind of wish I had now, um, but I wasn't one who'd want to move around, you know, if, if you were the coach and then the manager got the sack and you had to get the sack as well and, and then he'd go to someone else and you'd go with him. I never really fancied that sort of thing and I never fancied striking out on my own and yeah. and that, if I'm honest. Um, but I went into insurance. Yeah. For, uh, I was the man for the crew. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that's for people of my age and older. Flipping I, I remember <laughs> that. I mean, I'm not that old, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but um, so I did that for twelve months, and then I got a, a, it was interfering with my football. Yeah, because um, I was I was um, playing for Aylesbury at the time, and uh, I got a job as a rep in uh, commercial flooring. Um, I did that for twenty years with three or four different companies, and then I've I've been in telecoms. I was a desk based account manager for uh, Orange, which then became Everything Everywhere and NAE. Yeah, um, and I've been in tall hire. Um, as well as a branch manager, and I'm now a depot manager for um, loosely involved with telecoms. Yeah. Um, for City Fibre, who are um, working putting the fibre optic network. The blokes in the green uniforms, which I see everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, like I say, if I if we were playing now, even after my limited career, I wouldn't have needed to work. <laughs> well, listen. Bob, I wouldn't say it was limited. I mean, 47 appearances for the Wolves, most of them in the top flight. And, yeah. you know, listen, it, it, it was, it, you know, you've, you've played a lot of football, you've played with a lot of great players, but if you can look back on that amazing uh, time at Wolves, which I'm sure it was from, from start to finish, what memory, um, and I think I'm going to know the answer, but what, what memory uh, brings it all back and brings a smile to your face? Uh, it's ab- absolutely my debut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, September the twelfth. It's never forget it. Um, probably the greatest day of my life. I think. Oh, don't. Hey, Bob, don't tell the missus that flipping neck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're greatest getting big. Day of my professional life. Ah, uh, exactly <laughs> that. Listen, Bob. Can I just say, big thank you for for coming on the podcast today. Um, that that era. It's you know particularly interesting to me the eighties, and I'm sure a lot of Wolves supporters who listen to the podcast. So, thank you. For, for giving your time up today. Thank you for representing our great club and you're welcome back on the Wolf Whistle anytime. Uh, thank you very much. It's been an honour to talk to everybody and it was an honour to play for Wolves. Oh, thanks, Bob. <laughs>